All right. Hello, inventors and entrepreneurs. My name is Courtney Laskowitz. I am the managing director here at Inventors Groups of America, and welcome to Inventors Online. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today for a very special Inventors Online. Uh, is anyone new here? If so, go ahead and flash your hands uh, in front of the screen and we'll get you all you guys, it looks like the newbies are here in the front row seats for today. Wonderful. Welcome, everyone. For those of you who are not familiar with what IGA is and who we are all about, IGA was founded in 2017 by Stephen Key and Andrew Krauss to teach individuals how to best commercialize their product ideas, as well as strengthen and support inventor groups throughout the nation. We have a directory of local and regional inventors groups on our website whom we meet with every single month. And if you are located near one, we highly encourage you to join. Now, for now, we would love to hear your name and what state or country you are from. So go on over right now into the chat and go ahead and type that in. Please let us know. Of course, please do not disclose anything that is confidential and not already publicly available. Our meeting is being recorded and will be harnessed on our website and YouTube channel soon after. Now, we're going to be screen sharing a little bit here. When we do so, feel free to go into gallery or speaker side-by-side -side mode at the top right-hand corner of your Zoom panel and use the slider to change the size of both screens. Now that all of that is out of the way, have you ever wanted to create a character? What about designing and licensing characters that produce multi-billion dollar empires? Now, the first episode of Bob the Builder was released in 1998. I still have the beloved Can We Fix It song personally still in my head from my childhood. Uh, from the gorgeous production of their stop motion animation original show to their transformation into CGI, those talking construction vehicles, along with Bob and Wendy, fell into our hearts and became a $10 billion franchise over its lifespan. Now, you or your older kids might have grown up with Bob the Builder, but this generation is growing up with a young boy named Ryder who leads a team of search and rescue dogs, each with a special skill set who go on missions together, the Paw Patrol. Now, Paw Patrol has 10 series and two features plus millions in royalties every year for Chapman. That's a lot of royalties. <laughs> Paw Patrol has a true global, is a true global phenomenon with his puppies found on everything from cereal boxes to bathing suits and backpacks. And it all started with the drawing he made back in 2011. Tonight, we are absolutely honored and humbled to speak with the Paw Patrol and Bob the Builder creator himself and hear a bit about his magic in bringing characters to life. Let me now introduce uh, the one and only VIP guest speaker and Ultimate Kids TV veteran, Keith Chapman. Thanks, Courtney. And hello, everybody. So pleased you could make it tonight. Um, well, it's my, my evening here in Monaco, but I suppose it's your morning. Um, thrilled to, to be a guest here with uh, Courtney and Stephen um, and hoping I can answer any questions 
and give you any advice I can. Um, and I'll just I'll just tell you the story of how they were all created and uh, these two shows and other shows um, and what I'm up to now as well. So, yeah, I mean, please, please um, give me some questions and I'll, I'll happily answer them. All right. Thank you very much. First of all, um, Keith, thank you for coming on and helping us entrepreneurs and inventors and creators with our own journey. So thank you for your time. And that's very important for us to learn from you. Why I'm so excited about this uh, webinar is that we all, no matter if we have a product or a service or an idea, how do you get that idea out of your head? And how do you pitch that idea? How do you find the big benefit of it, that idea? How do you present it to a company? And how do you work within that company to get to commercialize your dreams? And that's what uh, Keith has done um, in one particular field, but the, I think the, the advice he's gonna give today, you can apply to anything that you have. And because looking at his history and some of the questions we're gonna ask, we're gonna unfold this, this mystery of how to pitch, how to find the big benefit, and how to bring it all together to create some really wonderful things, but also to share it with the world. And that's what Keith has done. So, Corey, let's jump in. We've got a lot of questions and I'm excited about it. So thank you very much. And I'll let you give the first couple of questions. Wonderful. All right, let's go ahead and get started here. My first question is, Keith, what age did you start to draw cartoons? Um, well, from a very young age, um, that was the only thing I was any good at. Um, I was drawing cartoons from sort of, you know, the age of two or three, um, usually on my dad's wall, which, which uh, he wasn't very happy with. Um, and then I progressed when I was at school, I was drawing cartoons of caricatures of the teachers. So I was always getting kicked out of class and made to stand out in the hallway. So, um, you know, I, I wasn't uh, the best um, academic student, um, but I knew from a very early age what I was going to be. Um, I wanted to be a cartoonist or a, in some way associated with TV or, or, or film. Um, I, I kind of had this thing, I wanted to work for Disney at some point, and I still haven't actually cracked that one yet, but I'm hoping to um in in the near future so yeah disney was always my my uh, the, the company that i always looked up to i saw all their you know early movies and and was fascinated by by the whole thing um the, all the hanna barbera stuff was brilliant um you know like um the flintstones and tom and jerry and all that kind of stuff um and then uh, we had some brilliant um you know uh, british um animators there was um jerry anderson the wonderful Jer jerry anderson who made this uh, incredible puppet shows like um thunderbirds and stingray and captain scarlet and that that just completely thrilled me i i loved all that stuff so anything anything creative like that i was really into um i kind of uh, when i went to art college i i left after four years with a, a sort of degree in um uh, advertising and illustration. Um, so I was doing my kind of cartoons on the sideline, but I kind of took a job in advertising. So I was an art director working with a writer. You know, back in those days, you could have two guys working together, cracking ideas, but it was brilliant fun. It was back in the golden years of advertising where you could literally spend all afternoon down the pub 
with a with a with a sketch pad and a magic marker and as long as you came up with the ideas the creative director was fine um so i was kind of just cracking out ideas literally on a daily basis and i'm sure that had something to do with the way i work now um in terms of you know you in advertising you have to isolate you have to find the usp of a product you know the unique selling proposition the big idea what is the big idea um so you know we scribble up lots of ideas and we'd go in and pitch to the client and knowing that we had one absolute massive idea amongst amongst say six or 12 ideas um and that was the way we worked in advertising sort of steering the client towards the big one um and that thinking i think i've taken into what i do now i'm always searching for uh something original or you know something's not been done before i know that's hard but i think it kind of helps then when you go and pitch it to the broadcasters you've got to try and stand out amongst thousands of shows all being pitched it from all these production companies i want to ask you a question about that because what's really interesting when you look at when you're working with the ad agency you had to come up with a lot of ideas right did it force you to create like daily and how did you do that um I, I i just had that kind of mind that doesn't stop thinking of ideas and it drives people crazy who i live with and um you know because i'm always dreaming up ideas in in my sleep and and during during dinners or and people get very bored of me saying what do you think of this what do you think of this um so it's just the way my mind works i just got kind of they just keep popping into my head so it kind of was an easy thing for me to do um advertising because it was a natural thing it, it really suited me uh coming up with ideas and i think um when i when i eventually got um, i was lucky enough to get a, a job at jim henson uh working for jim henson um and working with all these amazingly talented people um at their london base um in hampstead they had the tv side you know making the muppets and muppet babies and fraggle rock and then they had, just around the corner you had the creature workshop making all these incredible creatures for um you know the labyrinth or the dark crystal or their movie stuff so i was kind of flitting between the two and i just thought wow this is this is kind of almost like what i've always wanted to do um and that i also learned how to take something and turn it into a into a brand rather than just thinking of a of it as a sort of a tv show i wanted to do more than that i wanted to turn it into a global brand that was famous like jim's Kermit was famous you know the the muppets were so famous and and all of disney stuff was just so famous i just wanted to do stuff that became global brands um so you know i started thinking up uh, ideas um and um and bob the builder was was one of my first um it was actually going to work in london seeing a jcb digger digging up the road and just suddenly looking at this digger and thinking well if i put a couple of eyes on him and made him speak that would be quite an interesting character so i quickly doodled it down and went on the tube and and got to work supposed to be doing my advertising work but i was actually secretly um you know creating characters um and added you know some friends some some uh construction uh, friends 
like steamrollers and cement mixes and and uh, dump trucks. Um, and I just suddenly thought, well, this this could be quite a good idea because, you know, construction is is probably the biggest biggest industry in the world. And everywhere you go, everywhere you go, kids can see diggers on the streets and their dad painting the walls or making a patio out the back. It's it, you know, it's part of our lives. Construction. Um, you know, I just thought, well, if you stuck a, a small child. Um, in a room and put some bricks in front of it, it'll start putting the bricks on top of each other. It's almost like a genetic thing to construct things. Humans just do that. So I just thought, well, why hasn't anybody done a construction idea? Um, so I worked on it and um, added Bob as a, a human character, as the father figure, to look after these sort of uh, kids who were slightly getting in trouble and out of control. Um, and he had to sort of rein them in and, and get the job done. You know, can we fix it? Yes, we can. Um, and um, I took it into um, a friend of mine I used to work with at uh, Jim Henson, a guy called Peter Orton, who had started up a company called Hit Entertainment, who became a huge company. Uh, they they picked up Bob immediately. Um, and then, though, Keith, I mean, sorry? did you? How did you pitch the story? Was okay, so I, 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 what I do is I, I, I do it a very simple way. I, I, I work up a, what, what's called a treatment or a Bible. I, I, I type, you know, in a Word document, I type up the world, the characters, how it works. I add some drawings, um, you know, with Bob. I did quite a few drawings, actually. And it was that one drawing on the front cover, actually, that sold it because one picture can tell a thousand words and it was really Bob holding onto that side, you know, that classic picture of Bob hanging onto the side of a small JCB. So I made the machine smaller and more, more preschoolish uh, in, in terms of size ratio. Um, and um, they were like buddies, you know, uh, Scoop and Bob were like buddies. Um, and then I thought, right, I need, I need some female characters in there. So Wendy, added Wendy to it. And then, you know, they picked, they picked it up or they saw it on the table. I, I actually pitched about four or five ideas, um, but Bob was by far the, the strongest and um, they, they went for it and optioned it literally there in the room. Um, and then um, they then spent all their money, uh, you know, developing it, getting writers to write some scripts and designers on board and, animation studios to, to, to do you, trailers. Can you talk about, just for a minute, because we, we all have these ideas, we all imagine you're in this room, yeah. got the drawings, and you think you've got your best, and you got a story. Are you telling the story yourself? Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm telling the story as a sort of, because I'd, I'd, I'd been reading, I'd been reading it to my kids. I had three boys. So when they were born, I was kind of every night, you know, reading them stories or telling them makeup stories. And I'd say, right, what do you want tonight? You can have, and I'd reel off all these characters that I'd created. And uh, they usually said Bob the Builder. So I, I knew Bob was, was a good one. Um, and so I, I, I kind of, it was an easy thing to talk about in a room to the people. I could just give them a, a you know, a, a sort of sample, a very quick sample episodic idea to show how it worked. Um, and it was very simple, you know, um, with Bob. 
Um, is there a unique selling proposition? Did you come up with that one-line benefit? I mean, how did you how did you bring it all together in one sentence, or could you? Well, uh, I can't remember what I put down for the one sentence, but you're right. I do try and find one sentence for for my shows. Um, I think it was literally, "Can he fix it? Yes, he can." It was something like that, which was then tweaked and used for the for the strap line, and and I I, I believe. Obama used it as his um, as his um, uh, campaign slogan uh, when he was when he was running for president. Um, so he owes he owes me some royalties somewhere. But anyway, um, so you know, um, so yeah, try and find that one liner, that hook which describes the show. Um, and it was really about teamwork, and you know, if you all work together to get the job done, um, it you know it. it there's there's some nice there's some nice messages in there for kids to take away because because in preschool there kind of has to be that uh for the broadcasters they like all that you know you've got to you've got to sort of tick a lot of boxes and teach kids good good things you had mentioned that you can climb into a young person's mind i, I read that how do you do that i mean do you just well like, it, it, you do it helps it helps um it helps if you personally I haven't actually matured very much um I've, I've still i've still uh, got the mind of a young a youngster but I, having having had kids you become a bit of a an expert in young kids because you know you only by having and seeing kids and you know sort of playing with them and seeing the way their minds work that really kind of helps you become you become uh, pretty good at knowing what kids want um, and funnily enough, um, so I had three boys, so so a lot of my stuff was boy related um, back then, uh, although I did do a show called Fifi and the Flower Tots, which you can see on YouTube, which actually was a really good show. Um, and I specifically created that because lots of mums used to say to me, oh, you know, Bob's great, but I've got daughters and uh, why don't you do something for, for girls? And I just sort of thought, well, maybe I, I wonder if I could do something for girls. I haven't. I haven't thought about that and I created Fifi and the Flower Tots which uh, is a little uh, about a little um, forget-me-not flower who lives in this miniature world which is which is really cute and again that was stop frame so the original Bob was was stop frame um, which was which was really beautifully done um, at um, up in Manchester at the, at, at the studios the, the old Cosgrove Hall studios um, and it had a tangibility about it. You know, it, it felt quite toyetic. It felt like you could you could reach in and play with it as a toy. Um, so that kind of helped the on-shelf experience for, for, for kids. Did you understand play patterns? I mean, you mentioned that you had you had young boys and you saw them play, but there's these play patterns in the toy industry and construction sets. And building things is a perfect play pattern. Were you aware of that when you, you created? Yeah, well, that's what I was. I was. I was trying to explain. I mean, you know, I looked around and I thought, well, what's out there at the moment? You know, Thomas the Tank Engine's out there and it's doing fortunes, but you know, okay, it's a it, it's a train show and and kids love trains, but it is it, it, it's sort of set. It was written back in the forties. Um, and and the look of it, the style of it, was quite old and sort of steam trainish, and and people and kids don't really see steam trains going around now. Um, but it, it was still hugely pro popular, one of the most popular British um, 
preschool shows. And I just thought, well, surely a construction concept with this building play pattern would can be as big as why not? Why can't it be as big as Thomas? Um, and that's how I pitched it as well to 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 hit. And they kind of looked and looked at me and said, well, yeah, you'll be lucky, you know, to get anywhere near that. But I think that it did actually overtook Thomas uh, for a couple of years in its height when it was really, really going um, back in the day. It came, actually came out in, um, uh, I, I think you might be, it could have been 98. I kind of, in my mind, it was 99, but uh, Courtney might be right. It might have been 98, it came out on BBC. Um, and it's now, so that would make it about 20, 20, 23, 24 years old, um, which is amazing, really. But, you know, I have to say that um, uh, Hit Entertainment subsequently sold the brand, sold, all, uh, sold, sold themselves to Mattel Toys, uh, Mattel being the biggest toy company in the world, as you know. Uh, they own Bob now and uh, amongst uh, lots of other brands. And they refreshed it in 215 with this CG version. But I have to say, it's just not done very well. They haven't done a great job on it. And um, it, it, they kind of threw the baby out with the bath water. They threw this, you know, multi-billion dollar franchise out and completely started afresh with new designs, new look Bob. Didn't look anything like the old Bob. Looked much more human. And so not very toyetic, you know, kids are not, just not going to buy into a human looking uh, Bob. And that's something to bear in mind as well. That, you know, kids, preschoolers especially, it needs to be much more rounded in its aesthetic. You want to be looking at proportions like a preschooler looks like with a big head, small body. You don't want to be doing big Marvel type stretched human type stuff for, for preschoolers. That comes later when they get into the Marvel characters. Um, let's, let's talk about Paw Patrol for just a minute, because Bob the Builder was more towards boys. You mentioned that, but Paw Patrol, which is a huge international hit, um, boys love it, but girls love it too. Yes, yeah, that's true. Um, so, so the way uh, Paw Patrol came at me, which, which was slightly different from normal. Normally, I would sit here with a blank sheet of paper and my laptop and just create shows from my head. Um, but this particular one came to me from uh, friends at Spin Master who I'd known for some years. And they'd always said, you know, one day we'd really like to work with you and do something. They nearly bought into Fifi and the Flower Tots, but we couldn't quite get a deal that worked. Um, I really wanted to do the deal, but my partners found it a little bit too onerous um so so we didn't we didn't go with them which i thought was a mistake but anyway you know i didn't get the chance to work with them on that and then they they remembered me and then when they had this brief um for, for a boys action adventure show with emergency vehicles and it was based on uh, spin masters um toy technology so this came from toy technology which had been developed with bakugan the back you again property which was all um magnets when the magnets touch each other it all spring loads and all it turns into something so those little balls mm -hmm. um it was a game they rolled it when it landed on the magnetic uh, board 
um, the circle would open and turn into a, a Bakugan, you know, sort of character, which was, which was fantastic toy technology. They took that a stage further and they wanted something where, where you put something, a, a character on top of a box, let's say. That box would elongate and shoot across the table as a police car or a fire engine. So they'd made a, a video of this technology with two little boys playing with this stuff um, and sent it to me. Um, it was a human character of a policeman with a big handlebar moustache. She looked, looked like some, somebody out of the village people. Um, and you put this policeman on top of this box and it, and it was all painted up like, like a police car and it, it kind of just opened up and, and just shot across the table. It was really quite cool. Um, and they said, right, here's the brief. You need to create a show, um, you know, with, with emergency vehicles, um, but it needs to have this transforming element in the, the show. Were they doing shows? I mean, they're known as a No, no, they'd only just, so they'd only developed this technology in-house. They were wondering whether to release it as a toy or they were wondering whether they should actually build it into a, into a TV show like they'd done with Bakugan and turn it into a big global successful TV show where they could actually make more money because then they could sell licenses to, to lots of licensees, you know, like the whole raft of thousands of different categories like clothing and birthday cakes and whatever. So, so that's what they decided to do. Um, now, I didn't realize at the time that when they'd sent it to me, I thought they were just coming to me, you know, I was a little bit naive um, and I, I, cr I cracked on with an idea. I started thinking, well, I don't really want humans necessarily as the heroes. I'd rather have an animal make it a bit more preschool. And also I wanted it to appeal to girls as well as boys. So I thought, right, what's, what's the probably the most popular animal in the world? What's the most popular pet? And of course it had to be puppies or kittens, one of the two. So I, I went for puppies. But I also like puppies because it had, this is where the big idea came and it's a very simple idea, but in advertising, it was a big idea. It's basically rescue puppies. You know, a little boy has got some rescue puppies that he's reared and he turns them into rescue dogs that, that can go and rescue animals or humans in any scenario with their dog kennels, which turn into their, their vehicles. So that was, that was a very simple concept. Um, but it's the sort of concept that actually you can apply any situation to. You can have them rescue a little owl, which they, which they did in the early days in some of the early episodes, more domestic type, softer episodes. Or they could, they could get invited by the president of the United States to go and help you know, rescue their, their, their pet dog who's, who's, who's gone missing somewhere in China or something. I don't know, you could just make up anything that they could go on and, and, and get this incredible technology. Keith, there's uh, a few questions a lot of us have when we're first starting out. It sounds like you had a relationship with Spin Master because they sent you their wish list. I mean, was that common or can you ask for it? What do you think about that? Well, that, as I say, that was a one-off. I hadn't had that before. I hadn't had, 
I hadn't actually worked to a brief to try and come up with a concept. Um, and of course I pitched the idea and um, I subsequently found out that actually it had gone out to about 10 different creative companies around the world. And um, it, was a pitch, it was a pitch situation. Um, and of course, then I found out, I got down to the final two um, and apparently they all voted for it around the table. It could have been a, uh, the other, the other concept I think was some, something to do with out of, out of space, um, which was, which came from uh, New Zealand. My, actually, I've, they're very good friends of mine down at the Weta studios. So what um, did you pitch to them again? Did you do a deck? Were you there in person? Did you talk about the big story? Because there's a one benefit statement that's really easy to understand here. How did you pitch it? Um, so I, I had to send it in remotely on this one. I couldn't go there and I did it. I did it remotely as a treatment, but with drawings, um, sketches to show, you know, how, how it kind of, the idea worked, how the characters could, you know, jump onto their uh, kennels, which then turned into, okay. into these machines. Um, a storyboard? It's like a storyboard. Uh, not, not, no, not a story. I didn't go that far. It was more. It was more some some sketches which accompanied the treatment, if you like. So a booklet. Um, I sent them that, and then of course went through it remotely with um, with them over the phone. I don't think Zoom was around then. Um, I can't remember. <laughs> this was back in two thousand ten. Um, Sound, it doesn't sound that far long ago, but I don't think we had Zoom back then. Um, but anyway, um, they really got it, and and apparently they voted for my mine because it had the pups, because it had the nurturing aspect for girls, and it had the big action, transforming stuff, high tech stuff for boys. So so both audiences were getting something out of it. Um, There's a quick question I have. And, and maybe because of your experience with, um, with Jim Henson and Bob the Builder, did you see the vision of where this was going to go? And, and, and when that licensing agreement came over, which are really wonderful things, did it spell out that this was going to be live shows, TVs, books? Yeah, that, that's, all built, that's all built into your um, option agreement. So basically when a company wants to option your concept, you get into what's called an option agreement. And in that option agreement, they would cover all the aspects of, of going forward that you can expect. So, so when I do my model, um, usually I assign all rights to my concepts to, to the company. So as you were saying earlier about how, how successful they, they were, I was going to jump in and say, yeah, if only I owned them, <laughs> um, because, um, Obviously, they're owned by uh, other companies, and they're, they're making the huge money. Um, Spin Master have just done incredibly well with Paw Patrol. Um, I think all the guys there are multi-billionaires. Um, but you know, good luck to them because they've they've actually put their money on the table and really got behind it. So they deserve all the success. Um, and also, I should say that you know. I'm just part. I'm just part of a huge, huge team of people. I'm the, I'm the first guy, I suppose, the the one that creates the spark. But once that goes into this 
kind of production world, it then gets taken over by so many people, so many hundreds of talented people, um, you know, that all really need the credit for, for these shows. Um, in, in the case of Paw Patrol, uh, Guru um, Animation in Toronto did such an incredible job bringing those pups to life the way they did. It was almost a bit of a throwback to the old Disney drawing skills, you know, the beautiful, the way they did those pups and portrayed them and got them to look really lovable. Um, they did a, a phenomenal job. And also Spin Master production um, team, they started, they started a production company, an entertainment company within Spin Master based on Paw Patrol. That was their first, that was their first show. Talk a little bit about the licensing agreement, but we're, then we're going to go in another direction real quick. So this licensing agreement covers a lot of things, sub-licensing and- it's, Yes, it covers everything, even theatrical, um, you know, movies, um, uh, live stage shows, um, any, any source of income that comes in from anywhere. And, um, and you gained a little experience from the first, the work that you've done previous. Yes, with Bob and my other shows. Some new thoughts about what you wanted well, I had, obviously, with the experience I'd had with my other shows and looking at agreements, lawyers' agreements and stuff, so I kind of had a, had a, a bit of a, an idea of what to look for. Um, so, so the important thing, what I was going to say was, as a creator, the things to look for are you want to sell your show. You, it, it sounds weird that you're giving away 100% of your idea, but you're, that's the only way you're going to get it made because you have to, okay. in, in, um, in part of the agreement, you're, you're going to get consulting fees. You're going to get rights fees for, per episode. That's really important. That might be the only money you make on this concept. You are then going to get the all-important back-end profit participation. Now that that's the bit that you're going to make any decent money on the concept. Um, I know that toy inventors do separate deals with 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 companies, you know, with the toy companies where they get a, a royalty per 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 toy sold on shelf. That's a separate royalty. But as a creator, you can also get a royalty for assigning your rights to them 100 percent as I say, in exchange for consulting fees, rights fees, and back-end profit participation. Now, now the back-end profit only kicks in when it is in uh, profit, um, net profit, after they've paid for all production costs, um, anything associated with the show. So that comes off first. And then, of course, when they're into real profit, then, then you get your percentage. And that can range from, an, from, from, from all sorts. You know, if you're a beginner, they'll probably try and get you much lower. If, you, if you're somebody like me, he's got some track record, um, I can negotiate probably a, a, a slightly better deal. Um, but, you know, everybody, you just, everybody's different. Every deal is different I've ever done. Some, sometimes you get a company willing to, to offer more. Other companies are really tight and they're just not prepared to go. So you have to make that decision. Do you want to go with that company or not? Do you want to get that, that show made? Um, but if somebody's showing an interest in it and getting it made, that's, that's the first step on this journey. Um, and it's a long journey, you know, to get something 
to right, become a let's talk about that for just a minute. Let's talk about your work ethic. Mm -hmm. How often, I mean, how much do you work? I mean, you're, you're set, you're, you're, your brands are everywhere. How much do you work today? Do you work a lot? Maybe I work, I work every day. Um, I, I create stuff every day. Um, I've got about 15 projects on the go right now, range, as I say, from, you know, from, from preschool right through to mo movies, uh, full length animated movies I'm working on, um, and novels and, you know, all sorts of stuff. So I, I kind of basically try to spin all these plates and I keep them all going with these different people. And I jump on zoom calls and I, I get sent scripts, I get sent designs and I kind of make my comments and send it back. But because I'm sort of dipping in and out of various of them, I I'm not so swamped that I, I, I'm not totally on every aspect of the production do you know what i mean they've got they've got loads of people doing that so they, they they during the development period is the bit that they really use me for to get it to a green light once it's green lit i stay on board for the first series usually 52 episodes which i did on paw patrol um and my second one with spin master which was mighty express which was which is currently on netflix which again, you, you can you can see on uh, YouTube. Um, so I, I kind of stay on board up to the end of maybe series one. And then to be honest, then you're a bit of a liability because you they have so many people making comments on scripts and directors and Netflix or whatever, whoever's involved, you know, Nickelodeon, um, Guru Studios, you know, the producers, script writers, that you are, you, you're really not needed. Um, it's, it's kind of set in motion. You know, the, the story arc is there. You can run a million different storylines. You don't like Keith, what do you do? Uh, can you say anything about it or you have to be kind of. No, well, this is, this is, this is, this is the problem when you do assign rights and you lose control and that's a, a Bob, the builder is a good case, uh, in point. Um, when, you know, Mattel picked up Bob, they actually ran with that without coming to me. Um, didn't really give me any indication of what they're going to do with it. Um, and they practice, as I say, they, they kind of uh, have spoiled a, a, a great brand. Um, it needs to go back to square one, really, in my, in my view. <coughs> but anyway, um, you know that's part of it you 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 have to you just have to do that to get your first show away and i and i I've, I've done that with several shows i've given it i've given it away and um in exchange for you know the, the those royalties and to be fair if you do get a breakout hit those royalties can keep you in a very good life and that's how i managed to live here in monaco that's based on the poor patrol income um what about rejection what about rejection what about you know, your story is so interesting because you've, you've had some success, but you've had some failures too. How do you overcome failure or rejection or how do you get back up? Well, if I, if I can't sell a show, I don't see it as failure. I see it as, I see that as, okay, you haven't, you either haven't found the right person for it, the right broadcaster, or it's the wrong time. Um, you know, I, I kind of put them away and then dust them off again in a few years and re refresh it and take it back out. Um, 
there are some there's some things that are right in development right now in production right now with wild brain and big chinese companies that are currently uh producing one of my shows that i uh, created years ago and went through many different uh looks and you know um, being optioned by different people um but didn't quite manage to get it to the to the right place um and that is now completely be, been revamped um and it's it's looking fantastic and that that's very current it's very it's, it's basically top gun for, for preschoolers it's it's uh it's so it's the timing is just couldn't be better you know with top with tom cruise he's actually tom cruise could be in the show he's he's the right size he's he's he could be in one of my my little jets you know um he's uh he'd be perfect but something like you know something like that right now so so it, timing is is a lot to do with it but do you ever get down and do you ever hit do you ever want to give up have you ever felt hey i just want to give up and do something else or how do you keep going? Um, <laughs> well as i say I've, I've i've kind of branched out into other other areas like like uh, i've got my first uh, animated feature currently in production uh which should be finished by um october november this year uh, which is a big environmental themed um uh movie about a young orangutan uh, female who's going to save her rainforest world from destruction through deforestation so it's very current it's very moving it's quite powerful um it's all being animated out of uh, uh micros studios in paris so they've done beautiful artwork and uh all the all the all the main animation and rendering all that has been done in uh in india through the technicolor studios in in india so that's that's going to be a wonderful thing and that that's come that's going to be probably launched i would say next easter maybe at the earliest we've, we've got to find a distributor for that because we're, we're we're producing i've stayed on board that one as a producer that's what i meant to say yeah so some projects i do stay on board with um and I stay, I stay on as a producer and a, and a, and a creator. So, but yeah. when you do that, you are then, you are then kind of responsible for going out and finding the money and the, you know, the investors. So it becomes a, a much bigger thing. You, you have more responsibility. Okay. Um, do you still use a sketch pad? I mean, what do you use a computer now or what do you use? Yeah. So I, I use my computer for writing, uh, my laptop, my, my, uh, Apple. Um, and then I've got my pads. If I then want want to do some sketches or drawings, okay. I'll jump onto my pads and do some and do some drawings. Sometimes I send those on to uh, illustrators to to work up. I will okay. give them a really close brief and and how 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 I'm seeing it, vision, how I'm so creating it. What would, and you, they, what would you say for someone that's just starting out? Courtney, you had a great question. Would you, would you please ask that? Yeah, so we have a, a fair amount of our audience members have various characters and designs that they would love to, you know, get to market, whether it's, you know, a, a cartoon or if it's a toy. For someone who's just starting out and has this, this twinkle in their eye of this character that they think could be a, a next hit, what do you believe the first step is? Uh, what would you recommend that person to first do with that character? well i think if they're seeing it as a tv show um then they need to write a bible they need to write the world the character what happens you know what's the idea how do characters interact 
some, some half a dozen storylines and, and just create it, you know, organically, you know, does it work? Try it on kids, tell them the stories. Sometimes writing a book, a children's book is a good way. You could, you can take a book to a publisher and get something published and get success that way. And then based on that success, you can get people, production companies interested when you have a successful um, range of books. Uh, that's, that's probably a quicker way to market um, going the publishing route. Um, and also I would say you have a stronger hand when you go and do your deal with the um, production companies these days, because of course you've got, you've got the books, you show them on the table and you know, you've got real sales and you've got a stronger hand on your, on your negotiating uh, for, for back end. or it's good to get an agent. I mean, at that stage, you, you really want to get yourself an agent. Um, I know, I know that in America, they, they, they do it slightly differently and have lawyers representing them. Uh, whereas in the UK, we, we probably more go along the, the, the literary agent or um, entertainment type agent. Um, so, so you could go that route, um, or you could, or you could pitch it directly to the production companies, as as I have done, um, and hope that there's something unique. Keep looking at your ideas and keep asking yourself, and have to, you have to be honest with yourself. You know, how can I improve this? Is is this actually interesting? Is this going to interest a, a, a child is that going to keep keep their attention is that character really lovable where's the heart i always say this you know you've got to put heart into a show it can't just be a show about selling vehicles or stuff you, you, there's been lots of shows about about vehicles that haven't actually worked um you've got to have heart in the show kids have got to love your character really care for them um, and you've got to have those little emotional moments in, in the show. All my stuff has had that. Um, so, so keep, keep trying to improve it. Uh, never be satisfied with what you've got. Always look for a more original, original way of doing it. You know, it could be something um, that has been done before, but try and give it a different twist. So, so, so you're, you're pitching something that hasn't been done because broadcasters get pitched so many thousands of different shows. They've seen everything. They've seen every type of show from vets to doctors to, you know, builders to, to, to uh, all sorts, nurses, zoos, jungles. So you've got to, you've got to meet your slightly different. I'll give you a good example. Um, got, I've got a show right now, um, which actually was just launched. There was a, there was a press release um, just recently. So I can, I can mention it. Um, I've, I've just hooked up with a company who picked one of my ideas up. Um, and I just started thinking to myself, right, I'd really look, I really want to do a show about football, soccer, you know, it's the biggest sport in the world. Nobody seems to have done it. Um, but I want to give it a different spin because I'm sure somebody's done some soccer shows somewhere. I'm sure I saw one in France, uh, French animation. But I don't really want to just have a show about football matches. That's a bit boring. Um, how can I make it funny? different for preschoolers so I thought right well what about if I mix pirates with them what about if you had a pirate team on a boat that sailed around the world playing lots of other pirate teams and at the press of a button their boat turns into a football pitch and and then you you have all these crazy piracy adventures but you have football as well 
Um, so that kind of really appealed to me. So that that that's something we're we're currently um, developing right now, we'll, and we'll be pitching that at uh, MIPCOM, which is the big TV festival in um, Cannes in October, and see if see if we can get that one away. So what I'm what I'm trying to say is find something but give it a twist look for something original you guys we're, we're coming up on the hour and i want to be re very respectful of keith's time and uh, maybe we have time for a couple questions um courtney maybe you could help with that we have a lot of really really good questions that i cannot wait to get to uh we have one question here from nicole her question is how do you find the company slash studio that you'll know would be interested well, I think that you have to do some research. You have to watch a lot of children's TV or, or read a lot of children's books to find the right publisher if you're going that route. Find something that you really like style-wise and humor-wise and think, and you're thinking to yourself, actually, you know, I, my, I like that, that my show could, could kind of be like that. Um, and just take a note of the production company that makes it on the, on the credits at the end. Uh, and look into them and find out what the process is of uh, submitting stuff because they'll all, all have uh, submission uh, departments because they're all looking for the next big thing. Um, but just cover yourself with, um, as I say, you know, either go through an agent or if you are sending in yourself, copy somebody in so that you've got witnesses to it being sent in. Um, and um, you know, try and get some feedback from them. So there's, so there's, there's history of, of it being sent in. Well, first of all, maybe a preliminary uh, letter to find out you want, you've got something you want to send. What's the process? Who, who, who do you send it to? Um, and, and do it. And maybe there's some companies have official, you know, um, documents that you have to sign before you send it in. Um, I think they're just covering themselves in case they have something in development that's similar. And, and there's, there's always, you know, there's been in the past people sending stuff in and then they see a show come out a couple of years later, which is their same theme as their, their thing they sent in. And then of course they get all upset and think, oh, well, they've nicked my idea, but actually you haven't. They, they were probably in development or production of that show two years before you sent your stuff in. It, it's, it's just part of, part of the nature of this business there there are you know only so many sort of ideas that you that you know you can really kind of touch on for 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 kids and there's bound to be thousands of people around the world thinking of a show along those same lines so you know just just cover yourself um as best you can and then uh send it in and and you know Good ideas will get noticed, so so you you, you just got to keep going. If you if you get a, a you know knock back, sorry, not for us. It doesn't mean the show is is not good. It means that they prob they might have something similar, or they might uh, be looking for a girls' show, for instance. And because everything's so expensive production wise to make, they're only going to make one or two and get involved. So you just have to get time as a, i go back to that timing is determination not giving up and just and just getting a bit of luck you didn't need a bit need a bit of luck but you make your own luck 
when it comes back to the pitch, we have a lot of questions in relation to IP, protecting your character, your idea, the story. Do you do anything in relation to copyrights or trademarks or any form of IP for your character before you pitch? Um, well, nowadays, I, I've never known a, a company that have, uh, you know, that ripped somebody off in this business. The kids business is pretty, pretty honest. Um, but it's always good to, 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 you know, safeguard yourself, as I say, with either sending it in through an agent, if you can get somebody uh, to represent you and that's then, you know, all done anyway, because it's all on email trail. Um, but you can kind of copyright stuff, um, and, and spend some money, you know, you could take out the .com name of it. For, for relatively small amount of money just to own it in case that in case they do go with the same name and you've got that um but I, you know essentially at the end of the day you got you're just going to have to at some stage trust someone um thank you for uh, saying okay you have to you have to let go and trust someone somewhere otherwise you're never going to get it made um but you just try and cover yourself as best you can um, okay. I think that's all I can say. We have a couple questions I would I would love to get to. Two in particular that we're getting a lot of uh, questions about just within the chat here. Um, Desiree says it pretty clearly here that what if you have a a lovely character idea, but you are not an artist, you cannot draw. It's it's more of a concept, but how it fully looks, it's not sussed out. Do you hire an artist, or what do you do at well, that? Well, yeah, I mean, this is this, yeah. So this happens a lot. So you you. If, if you can't do any of those things, but you've got an idea for something, you, you're going to have to pay somebody to do it. Um, you don't really want to have to bring someone in, a friend, and say, look, if you draw that up for me or write that up for me, I'll give you half the, the, the IP. Some people do that. Um, I, do, I have done that on where I need a studio coming on board to put in, say, $200,000 to turn my show into a full pitch with bible and drawings and um, scripts and animation trailers i've done that because then i know that's another one that i could pro probably try and get away but on that one i'm going to go 50 50 with that with that studio um but i think if you if you're trying to sell something in yourself um on, on your first show i kind of try and resist giving anything away if you can try and try and pay for it if you if you if you can do that um the other thing is of course don't promise too much to somebody because you know you could have something drawn up in your pitch by an artist and pitch it into a production company and they might they might option it but they might not want to use that artwork they might want to use their own studios and their own designs and start from scratch or they might want to use their own um script writers so whoever you've partnered with and promised stuff, it doesn't actually, it's not possible to do um, so that, you know, you've lost them along the way. Um, so I think the best thing to do is keep it clean, own it, and just pay for, pay for some stuff to be done. We're right if over you, the hour, Courtney. Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm prepared to carry on if, if, you, if we have. Yeah, okay, good. All right, good. I just, I just <laughs> want to make sure because th this information 
you know, peeling back the curtain a little bit, Keith, is so important because we just don't know really what to do. And I know a lot of creative people are a little frustrated with the process. Now, I want to ask you one thing. When you keep on referring to the Bible, what mm-hmm. does that mean? What does that look like? Is that a style guide? What is that? Well, it's, it's, like, um, it's like a sort of uh, a document, um, which is basically the concept which explains the world and, 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 and pulls you into it like a, like a story. Um, and then you describe the characters, you describe the, the, the locations, you describe um, uh, the bad guys, the good guys. Um, you then write a few storylines, you know, no more than half a page each, and at least maybe half a dozen of those. And then you, um, you just flesh it out and you put, maybe put some drawings in and just make it as sexy as you can make it. You know, some, some people have those skills, those, those sort of, um, you know, media skills. They've been trained uh, to, do, to do that better than others. Um, or you might know somebody who can help you with that and, and you know, who can design it and, and, and make a nice, you know, logo for you or something to, to, to help it a little bit more professional. Um, I've seen a few style guides for like a movie launch. Well, the style guides, the style guides are very different. So the style guides are very expensive things, which really only happen once you've got your show up and running. You've got, you've got your green light. Um, I mean, you know, we've, we've employed, there are specialist agencies that do style guides and that, I mean, and they do a ton of artwork and it's all beautifully done and it's got Pantone colors yes. and they put the vehicles in there and, and, you know, it's like, then they apply it to patterns and whatever that they're going to use on packaging. And so they do a whole range of stuff and, it, and, you know, it can be very expensive, so you don't um, need, you but don't that's need. not something you really should be doing. Certainly not out of your own money at this stage that comes down the line and, and a production company will pay that as part of them optioning your concept. You know, you know, there's, there's, um, there's another way of, of kind of doing it. If you think about um, brands like Hello Kitty, you know, um, which, which was a Japanese um, brand that has been out decades. I can't remember the year it came out, but it's done a huge amount, billions and billions of dollars of merchandising. And really it's just imagery, you know, it's, it's, it's just nice outline, very simple, um, of, of this kitten um, and it's applied to all sorts of merchandise. Um, and the, I, the, as far as I know, there's no, there's no TV support. It's just a, it's just a graphic. And there are some brands like that. Some brands just have graphics in some way and they make a, they make a really big success on, um, on the merchandising. How important is for you to know the landscape like you said, it seems like you know what's going on. You watch the other shows, you read the books. I mean, you really know what's going on broadly, don't you? Or- well, I, I know broadly, but you know, I'm not brilliant. I, I am, I'm hopeless. I'm a bit of a dinosaur. I have no social platforms. I'm not on Twitter um, or any of these. Facebook, I don't, I don't have any followers. I don't follow anyone. I just do my own thing and then I... But all my sons are all, in, you know, all my friends are they're all crazy about all that stuff, and 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 they've got thousands of followers, and I wouldn't have a clue. Um, so, but that doesn't really bother me because 
you know, I, I wouldn't have the time to, to do it all, to be honest. Um, I, I just do what I do. I just concentrate on this. Um, and then that all comes naturally anyway when you get a big company on, on board because they do all that. Um, you know, Paw Patrol is on, is on everything. But, I mean, I certainly didn't suggest where it, where it should go. Um, apart from the main, the main obvious ones, you know, TV, film, and the YouTube probably. Um, and so, so they've they they've they've completely they understand every aspect of that of that sort of uh, you know media reach. What else do you have, Courtney? Is there some other ones in there? Yeah, I have uh, someone here named Alice. She says, hi, Keith. When coming up with a lot of ideas, how do you know which ones to go after and push? And how do you get past the naysayers? Okay, so you're always going to get people who say, yeah, I don't think you're going to get anywhere with that. Um, You know, you might as well give up. I've had that lots of times. I just completely ignore them um, and just think, well, I think this is going to, to do something. I believe in it. So you just believe in yourself, keep, keep listening to your inner voice and don't listen to any negativity. Um, negative people just, just, you know, don't really get anywhere because nothing, nothing is possible to them. Whereas just, just hang out with positive people uh, who think you can do anything um, and dream it and it will happen. But you have to put the graft in, you have to work, work, work. Um, and, you know, if, you, if you've got... Um, say a, a, a job, a nine to five job, because you need you need the, the, the money coming in. Then you just have to sit up late at night and do it weekends, the way I did it. You know, it's the only way to to crack it. Um, at the end of the day, um, I know there are a lot of toy designers on the on the call, so you are in the business and you are probably you know designing toys anyway. So you kind of have a have a bit of a head start. Um, and, and, you know, as I say, you, if you come up with a great idea for a toy, toy concept, you, that could be the crux, that could be the, the thing that makes the show. That's the key thought for the show. And all you got to do is just come up with um, the characters to sort of build around that toy concept. Um, and, and as I say, give it heart, try and make some sort of story out of it. And then suddenly you've got, you've got a really cool, cool show. We have a question here. Uh, we ironically have a lot of screenwriters in uh, the audience. And so we're getting a lot of those questions as well. And so what I would maybe find interesting too, Leo asked a question here. Do you have any advice particularly for a screenwriter with a penchant for children's media? Uh, yeah, so screenwriters, um, are, you know, I've, I've obviously used many many writers and and you can tell the really good ones you can read there's there's great script script writers and 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 not so good ones um and the really good ones are they just make the page come alight and they're just great at humor great at action they they skip along they've just got they've just got brilliant way with words Um, so i think really with that, I'm not sure the best way in for a, for a scriptwriter, but it would be, you know, sending in some sample scripts to um, the uh, head writer of a particular show. All shows usually have a showrunner or a head writer. Find out who that person is. 
send a really nice note saying, look, you're trying to break into the business. You've written a couple of sample scripts. Is there somebody that could read these and give me some feedback? And usually it's going to be a process of, uh, because you're brand new, you know, you've written something. Um, maybe ask them for some sample scripts to read. That's a good way of learning the, the shorthand of, of writing great scripts. Because the more you read those scripts, the, the better you'll become because you can see where you're going wrong and, uh, and, and, and the, the way that these really good writers um, can get over action or comedy or, you know, um, and make it work. Um, so, so script writing, yeah, for, for, for preschool, uh, for, well, for any, any TV, um, again, is, is different from uh, movie script writing. And I'm only learning movie script writing now on this new project that I'm doing, um, which is a whole new ball game. It's like massive undertaking. It's about a year to, to write a great script because I think this guy wrote about 12 drafts uh, for, for this movie. Um, but it's unbelievable script that, that, that we finally got this polished diamond of a script. Every single word is, is been literally, you know, honed. Um, it's, it's so good, but they're very different. They're very different. Um, but T, but this guy actually came from a TV background. So, and he wanted to write movies. That was his ambition. So he, he did that. He learned the trade of how to write scripts. He wrote lots of scripts, read lots of movie scripts and how to, how to get into that world. Because it is, as I say, is a, is a different discipline from, from uh, TV 10 minute, you know, 10 minute episodes for preschool. Um, Great. Yeah. Thank you for that. Ben, uh, would you like to uh, ask a question here, my man? Hi, Ben. Hey, actually, Keith, I want to thank you so much for your time. I don't have a question. I need a favor. If you can do something for me really quick. I have to go. I'm so mad about it, but I literally have to leave right now to drive a foster dog to what may be his new family. And I think a well wish from the Paw Patrol guy might make me a shoe in. <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> his name's Bandit. He's, he's barking Bandit. in the what background. A brilliant name. He's a, He's a great Pyrenees St. Bernard mix, and we've had him in a class A RV with us for seven months trying to find him a family. So we're leaving oh, right now. I got to go. God. Bandit so, is brilliant. I mean, there's a, there's a show right there. So pretty somebody much should, somebody should write a show about Bandit. I love that. I love hey, that. Bandit in the RV. You already got your, you already Bandit, got your show. <laughs> Bandit is just this, this dog who drives around in RV. <laughs> he just he just just drives around and has adventures, meeting lots of other characters. I love that. It's brilliant. Hey, thank you so much for doing this. This has been amazing. You're uh, thank you. Big fan of all of your work. Sorry, I've got to run, guys. Okay. Thanks, thanks. I don't want to waste everybody's time, but thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Uh, Take care. We're coming to the end. If you could write your thank you notes, we would appreciate that very very much. And what's really amazing, Keith, we have people all over the world to, today. Uh, which yeah. is really wonderful to see. And I know different time zones. I know it's late for you where you are. Um, but thank, I just want to thank everyone that, that's come today. Um, yeah, thank you all, guys. It's, uh, it's been really, really good, actually. It's good for, it's good for me. You know, I, I, I get a few things, but not quite like this. But um, it's, it's really important for me to give 
something back you know i've been lucky i've had my breaks um and uh, one of one or two of you guys are gonna are gonna have that same lucky break so uh if you do you should you should let us know you should um, well you, you know i you know what's really amazing um keith i was doing some homework and i kept on thinking why is keith spending time with us and then I read something where you wrote that you, you, it's really important for you to give back. So I cannot thank you enough for being so giving. Thank um, you, Stephen. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's important. It's important. You know, I was, I was an unknown once with my first show and, um, that, and Peter Orton hit, gave me that opportunity, you know, he, he saw something and, and, uh, he took it on board and, um, he was a big multimillionaire very successful businessman. I was Marty, kind of, should we do our pictures. Is it? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do a family photo here. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's do a family photo, and then I'll, I'll unmute you guys too for a quick round of applause. But let's all uh, smile and, and wave at the camera, and we'll do a family photo here. One, two, three. <laughs> all right, we're gonna do the next uh, page here. A lot of pages here, Keith. One, two, three. <laughs> yeah, you've got a lot, a lot of people. Keep smiling, everyone. Oh, 99 plus. Yeah, cool. We've got currently we've got 223 people on with us. Oh, my God. That's, uh, that's cool. I think we we're right under 300 today. We so. were. Yeah, perfect. But, OK, we're we're good with the images now. Now I'm going to have everyone give a wonderful round of applause for Keith. I'm going to unmute everyone for about 10 <laughs> seconds to give a, a wonderful, warm, welcoming thanks uh, for Keith here. One, you, two, three. All right, you guys can unmute yourselves and give a wow. Thank you. Thank you so much, Keith. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to unmute you guys here for a second. Thank you guys so much for giving that round of applause. We really appreciate it. Stephen and Keith, do you guys have any last words you'd like to give? Yeah, I just I just want to say, Keith, um, what an honor. And and thank you, Billy at Mojo Nation for making that introduction. Uh, yeah, thank you very thank much. Thank you guys. It's been it's been a real pleasure. Um and I really sincerely hope that um, you know, somebody somebody comes through with something amazing. Um just have to keep dreaming it and it and it dreams come true, they do. Wonderful. Thank right, you so much. Uh, Stephen, real quickly before we go, do you want to talk about the leaders uh, page here? Yeah, please, real quick, put the last slide up. I just want to thank all the inventing groups out there in the world and also these, these people here. We have George and we have Orange County and Don and Leo and Chris and, and, and Joe. Thank you for getting the word out about this great event. I appreciate all the help. And please join your local inventors group. They'll help you become successful. Thank you, Courtney. Wonderful. All right. Thank you very much, Keith. We super appreciate thank you, you coming here for our meeting. Uh, thank you, everyone, for coming to this special event at this very special time for Inventors Online. Uh, hopefully, we guys see you in our very next meeting next month, where we can bring you more expert information in the areas you guys need help in. Have a wonderful evening, everyone. Thank you. Thank Bye, you. Keith. Take care. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Keith. Cheers, guys. All the best.